you're at the Over or Under Show. I'm your host, Ed Henderson. And man, it's a crazy world we live in. It has no shortages of rabbit holes. I'm not scared of rabbit holes. If you're not scared of rabbit holes, this show is for you. Let's see if we can jump in one and make our way back to the top. Welcome to Over and Under. I'm your host, Ed Henderson, and I thank you for taking the time to download this episode. I was struggling this week as to what I would be talking about. It was a conversation with a good friend. We were just sitting there having our typical conversation about things going on in the world, current events. We were talking about the slap heard around the world when uh, Will Smith got up and smacked the you-know-what out of Chris Rock and... Then we were talking about the president making those three statements. I mean, he was so emphatic and you could not confuse it. He said that Putin must not remain in power, which uh, I have to tell you, I'd have to agree with the president. I don't agree with much that comes from this president, but I fully support him in that feeling that uh, Putin needs to be taken out of power. And then he was uh, talking to a group of soldiers, and I'm sure they were confused because it sure did sound like he said he was going to put boots on the ground in Ukraine. And I can't remember the third thing he said, but it was another statement that was rather emphatic. I mean, there was really no way you could confuse it. The next day, he's walking it back. The staff walked it back earlier in the day, the, the previous day, right after he made the statements. He comes back, he's got a note card in his hand, and I think the heading on the thing was tough questions about Putin. And I think the first one that was on there was moral outrage. So they, staff met with President Biden and convinced him that it was the moral outrage, that he was not saying that Putin had to be taken out of office. He just looked at all the mayhem, all the chaos, the loss of life, and he was so disturbed that he was just speaking as an individual, not as the president of the United States of America. Unfortunately, he was in front of the world speaking as the president of the United States of America. But it's, 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 it's really concerning that he can't even run his affairs with his staff and that he would be so emphatic in his statements and then come back and walk him back. And the only thing he leaves is a wake of confusion. Now, our enemies hear what they hear. They will do with it what they, they will do with it. They will use it against us. And even worse than that, our allies hear that and they're asking themselves, what's up with the president and what's up with the United States. I mean, we used to be a superpower, a major player. We did not typically wait around to watch what other people did. Well, I've lost confidence, and I'm sure most people have lost confidence. And I want you to know, in the same breath, I tell you with all sincerity, I pray for this president that he will have clarity of mind, that he will do the right things. And as I end every one of my prayers, I pray that God's will will be done. But I do seriously pray for our president. And I've even got a personal reason for praying for him because I can't imagine what will fill the space should something happen to him. So I am praying for the president's health and clarity of mind. So it's those kinds of things that we were talking about. And he said, uh, man, just how did we ever arrive at this point? How, How is it that we're so confused as a country, as a people? And then later that night, almost like my wife had a discussion with my friend, she she said the same thing. How did we ever get here? So it's not something that I've never pondered. I was born in the 60s, and the world has changed quite a bit. Now, before I say anything else, I might as well go ahead and jump on that big fat elephant that's always sitting in the room when you're talking about, man, I would really like to make America great. I would really like us to see 
uh, turn to our traditional values, somebody inevitably always says, yeah, I guess you want to own slaves again because that's what we had back then. Yes, that is the most incredible scar on this beautiful story of freedom, uh, prosperity, technology. I hate that that scar is on there. I hate that people were ever treated to that degree that they were mistreated. I can't find enough adjectives to describe how horrible, how bad, when I think about how people were packed like sardines in a ship to where they were shoulder to shoulder, most of the time laying down for most of that trip, the, the stench, the disease, just the, you, you don't even treat your dog that, that way. And then the continuing, even after the Civil War, not letting those people, and I'm talking about black Americans, I'm not saying African Americans, I'm talking about my fellow Americans, black Americans, who even after the Civil War, we kept the door shut. And so if somebody comes in and exploits that division, shame on us. We built that monster and uh, we put those structures in place. I would only say this, that the founding fathers did put documents and they've set out principles. If we couldn't understand it, at the time of the founding of this country. And let me just say this too. When they did that, Africa was the slave center of the world. And still today, you can Google it, they still have the most slaves on their continent. I'm not trying to say Africa's worse than us, therefore forgive us for all our sins. What I'm trying to tell you is that the founding fathers put documents and put principles in place that would be there to be found by people like none other than Frederick Douglass, who is one of my favorite Americans. If they ever put another face on Mount Rushmore, I pray to God they will recognize Frederick Douglass. Was he perfect? No, he was not. And yes, I've read quite a bit about Frederick Douglass. But with his imperfections that were no worse than the founding fathers of this country, he was a true American. He started off with a very progressive group of people known as the uh, Garrisonians. It wasn't until made friends with a man by the name of Garrett Smith. And Garrett Smith said, you know, you don't have to tear this place down. You don't have to tear the Constitution. Everything that you need is in place for you to pursue. And he did. And he embraced this country. Frederick Douglass was a great American. And uh, I think he would be very disappointed to see not only are people putting on the shackles of oppression, but they're doing so willingly when he fought so hard against it to not only free his people and recognize the full fruits of this country. I wish that he was around. I wish he could have seen what it would come to because it would be another hundred years. That's what I'm talking about. Even after the Civil War, we allowed that, that beast, that curse that plagues us to this day we, we left it in place, but I think he would be so disappointed if he, he saw what had happened to this country that he fought so hard to gain access to his God-given rights, everything that's mentioned in the Constitution. So there's my bit about one of my favorite Americans, Frederick Douglass, and I know I got off track there, but I had to get that out of the way because that's a trump card, and it's a very effective trump card when you start talking about making America great because that's part of our history. So just for clarification, what I'm talking about for making America great, I'm going to go over today. And no, I'm not promoting or even suggesting that part of that greatness would be returning to 
slavery or oppression. What I'm talking about is trying to keep us from going into an oppression when we have so much blood that has been spilled by both white, black, yellow. I mean, just we represent just about every ethnicity in the world. And we have fought very hard to get where we're at, and we can't lose it now. So that's, uh, there's a way that we got here. I think it's a mixture of us taking for granted what we have inherited. And I also think that there's been a concerted effort to take this country over, not from without, but from within, because... America is still a very powerful nation, and we do have nuclear weapons. And not only do we have a powerful military, I, I hope to God that it's still alive. We have, the, we have always had this ability, no matter how individualized we are, to come together at moments of crisis. So we might, have, we might fight our political fights here amongst ourselves, but when an attack comes from without, oh my God, you, we, we, we come together. There was a time when... You know, nobody questioned the love of this country, whether you were Republican or Democrat. They love this country. Now, you wouldn't know that sometimes when you're hearing some of the rhetoric that comes out of people's mouth. When, you're, when they're talking about socialism and communism, and Bernie Sanders did not invent the word democratic socialist, as I think he refers to him, almost like if he puts democracy in front of the name, it makes it better or more palatable. I mean, Lenin in Russia, they had many democratic socialist parties. There's been democratic socialist parties, still are today, all over this country, France, Germany. That is an anathema to the United States. What made America great was the absolute rejection of anything that was Marxist. And yes, BLM is very Marxist and black and white. I would strongly suggest you do a little bit more checking into who BLM is and what their agenda is. They at one time had it on their page when you would, they had like a link, you go up and it said about us or something or what we're about, you punch it down. And I'm going to tell you, I read it, had some of my black friends at that time. I had them come around the computer and read it, too, just because it would sound like I was making it up. Their agenda is very Marxist. And uh, I would say that it's a very particular black life that they are much more considerate of. And that would be the trans black, the queer black. They seem more focused on tearing down their nuclear family, at least to me. This is probably going to be a two-parter because I don't know how we talk about how we arrived at where we did if we do not go back all the way to Karl Marx, and it ends up with a professor by the name of Herbert Marcuse that uh, I really give a lot of credit to helping us arrive at where we have, and I and we have played a part in it too. But before we talk about Marxism, what it is, and the path, how it came here, because uh, Marxism and socialism took a lot of different paths, and they manifested themselves in very different ways. I mean, I would argue that it manifested its way into the French Revolution. I would say that it had a very bizarre way of manifesting into the uh, Nationalist Socialist Party, which would become the Nazis. Uh, I would say that People have been tweaking Marxism to try to make it work because it's a, it's an utter failure. And, I'll t- and, I, and right out of right out the gate, I'll share with you a little bit about what just makes it a failure right out of the gate. It just it's it's against every incentive that 
would ever motivate a man to do anything because no matter how you tweak Marxism, and just really quick in a nutshell, this is what Marxism is. Okay, in a nutshell, Marx, the first thing that is done is all private ownership is eliminated. It goes to the state. All give as to their abilities and receive according to their requirement. Right there in those two statements are the death knell of Marxism because it just does away with any natural incentive, you know, any concern of the state or the commune or whatever you're serving will always come first, their needs before the individual. Now, I'm not saying there's not times that those happen, you know, something like you have a dictator like Putin and he comes into your country and he stops bombing. It's time to forget your individuality at that moment in time. Because it is that your individuality and your freedoms are being threatened. They're, they're going to be taken away. So it's at times like that. And the United States has understood this in the past. That this is no time to be talking about your individual rights. Because they are under attack. We have to go. We have to secure those rights. And as soon as that happens now... You're supposed to retreat and then start following your self-interest. But that is the death knell of socialism and communists because it takes away every incentive. Why are you going to go out there and kill yourself more than anybody else if it's just going to go into a big pot and then some centralized authority is going to distribute that wealth how they see fit? After a while, people who are high producers start looking around at other people that don't produce, and they say to themselves, why am I killing myself? So somehow or another, in this evil capitalist society, we have created such an abundance that even the poorest people live better than most people around the world. And we'll talk about Marxism a little bit more in the next podcast. I'm really going to have to do a lot of reading. It's hard to read about people like Marcuse and Heidegger, uh, Karl Marx, because it's just hard to wrap your brain. It's like a brain freeze. It, it's not coherent. It makes no sense whatsoever. So bear with me, especially on the next podcast when I, when I try to delve into that a little bit more. But let me tell you how we have contributed greatly into arriving where we have. We are forgetting who we are. Uh, John Zogby, an American pollster who surveys public opinion, says that what holds the United States together today is that we all share a common set of values that make us American. We are defined by the rights we have. Our rights are our history, why the first Europeans came here and why millions more come here since. Maybe a really good place to start is to trying to remind you who you are as an American. How about this? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, and although you are guaranteed a life, you were a major player. You were responsible for how that life played out. You might commit a crime such as taking a life and maybe in front of a court and a jury of your peers may be found guilty and you may have forfeited your life. But other than that, what you did with that life was up to you. Liberty, the pursuit of liberty. Again, you can pursue liberty, but not at the expense of somebody else. 
the pursuit of happiness, that's all about you. You know, they're not going to create your happy world for you, your safe place on the university, uh, shield you from every possible thing that can make you sad, something on your part in your pursuit of your happiness. These, these three sacred things, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, they were granted to you, but it was your responsibility to pursue it. And that journey was a lot easier for some people. And I'm again, I'm talking about the white-black thing. But people like Frederick Douglass, and he wasn't the only one that read that. And he embraced it. And he made us understand what was in that document. The Declaration of Independence, I mean, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Individual freedom and self-reliance. Equality of opportunity and competition, not a guaranteed of an equal outcome, but your ability to have free access to that opportunity and that competition. Material wealth and hard work. You know, that might sound like a, a greedy endeavor, but w let me ask you something. Most of the time when we think about greedy, maybe we get, get it in our mind that someone like an Elon Musk is greedy. I don't. I really appreciate people like Elon Monk, Musk. I, I heard that he threw $11 billion at the cause uh, the other day as he's trying to help us finance this government of ours. Unfortunately, if you ever watch the way that debt clock ticks, they're going to eat that $11 billion up in interest very quickly. But Elon Musk, thanks, thank you for all you do. Look forward to all the neat things that you bring forward, your inventions and your stuff. You are very well may possibly be the Edison of our day. The fact that Elizabeth Warren says he pays no taxes is incredible. Google that, see how much Elizabeth has paid, and see how much Elon has paid. Not only has paid in taxes, but the money he has generated in the economy, he's a, he could probably finance most governments. But not this one. We have quite an appetite for the redistribution of other people's money and spending it unwisely. You know, incredibly, a lot of our universities are teaching the kids that terms such as self-reliance, equal opportunity, and competitions are the words of white supremacy. No, they are the words of our heritage. And I would strongly recommend, regardless of whatever your race, you should go back and look at what produces success. I would also like ask you to look at the history of socialism and communism and see that it is a recipe for nothing but disaster. Unfortunately, you know, we are dabbling in socialism, and you could probably make arguments of uh, to what degree. I would say that to a large degree, especially since FDR, there was, uh, there was a reason why three times the Supreme Court turned down the New Deal, and I wish they had not have caved because they had a higher ideal to maintain rather than succumbing to what I would say was a tyrant, a, a tyrant move on FDR's part to threaten tearing up the structures in place that are not only meant to keep the judicial and the lawmaking bodies, but also to keep that executive power in check. So I think whether you're Democrat or a Republican, you can see some, some of these executive orders that 
you may agree with and you don't, but I would say FDR was one of the first cats that uh, really pushed the envelope on that. This is rather impassioned for me because I do come up a time and I do remember when America was great and I do see the decline. There was a man by the name of Alex, Alex Alexis de Tocqueville. He was from France. He took uh, quite an interest in the United States, the success, the wealth of this very young country, why they were prospering. And sometimes it's good to get a view from outside. I've been the beneficiary of this uh, wonderful country, but to think that somebody from another country would come here and noticed its greatness really kind of in its infancy but he wanted to, he wanted to kick walk around the car kick the wheels and see man what makes these people click what makes it tick why are they prospering so well well there was a couple things that he noted and this is just a few of them freedom of speech very important very important freedom of speech and we have direct attacks of freedom of speech you know de Tocqueville noticed the Strength of America started in the small communities, towns, cities, and then our national government. And he saw that everybody had, well, checks and balances, for lack of a better term right now, and making sure that everybody stayed, stayed in their lane, stayed respectful, that a central authoritarian government would not overtake them. And some of the things that he addressed that really supported and buttressed those uh, those freedoms were the freedom of speech. That's under a direct attack right now, people. Now, when somebody disagrees with you, that's not misinformation. And so at one time, speech was very much protected in this country. Incredible that entities like Facebook and Twitter are banning people and information that we really need to hear. And, you know, we're finding out now that a lot of these things are true. We're finding out that there was no Russia collusion, and there's probably still people that believe that. But right now, Hillary Clinton is being fined by the Federal Election Commission for not disclosing that she funded the debunked Steele dossier that played such a critical role in the impeachment of Donald Trump and millions of dollars spent in congressional hearings and really would hamstring a duly elected president. It should bother you greatly that a lie was pushed that far. And he was a duly elected president. I have to appreciate and respect the fact that Biden was duly elected, but the fact that they would go out of their way to shut them down and at the same time just support the speech of people like the Ayatollah, the despots of, of the world, they, they have access to Twitter and Facebook. But when the uh, president of the United States of America speak, they, they ban him. They should be held accountable for that. The freedom to associate, you know, in de Tocqueville's time in France, if 20 people gathered together, they could be arrested. They didn't want to take any chance or possibility of a mob or people getting together and solidifying an idea or worse yet, actually acting upon it. Freedom of the press, I think that kind of falls under the speech, but the freedom to assemble. We're all things that de Tocqueville noticed about the American. And, you know, and, and again, he noted, too, that the individual, regardless of how individualized they were or how they pursued their self-interest, how quickly that they would unite when those freedoms were attacked. 
one thing that uh, de Tocqueville did mention, and I think there's some good, some things we can take away from that is he said a mild despotism could arise within America because we would get so comfortable with all the freedoms that we have, our prosperity that we would unknowingly and maybe even somewhat willingly allow a centralized authoritarian government to rise up and to oppress us. He saw that as a very possible thing. And I'd have to say that he was very insightful because I think that's what's going on here today. It's hard to wrap your brains around what those Ukrainians are going through. They had a very, they had a good life too. They had homes. uh, They were going to work every day. Their children were being educated. And then out of the blue, they've got bombs raining down on them. And now their once beautiful cities are leveled to the ground. We're comfortable people and we're being attacked and from outside and even more importantly within and we better we better shake off that woke whatever that is because woke means putting your head in the sand and not recognizing what's going around you better wake up so let's wake up and uh god if it's not too late we we seriously need to remember and be reminded who we not only who we are, but who we were. And again, the story of the African American, which I will refer to as the black American. I wish I didn't even have to do that. I wish just American. Don't forget that story either. White or black, do not forget that story. And I would tell my black friends and my black listeners, y'all suffered. Y'all, y'all gave greatly. Don't Take the chains of oppression off just to willingly slide your wrist and your ankles into another form of oppression. That would be a very sad ending to that story. So with that, I'm going to bid you a fond adieu. Thank you for listening to me talk. Hopefully you can take this thing and shake it out and maybe a couple morsels of something that you will find of value will come out. But like I said, I was suffering very much trying to bring you something of value and that's always truly at my uh, heart download this and you spend 20 30 minutes with me i want you to walk away with a little something something okay god bless you keep you free healthy and keep you on that road in that pursuit of life liberty and happiness out like a scout love you guys bye